0: Welcome, my friends, to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road. And this truly is Cat Swamp Road because our kitten, Allie, uh, she's only about six months old. We had found her at the farm stand when we were harvesting in the fall. And uh, we wanted to get her spayed, but we thought she was too young. But she was not too young to be in the family way and she gifted us just yesterday with six beautiful kittens, three black and three like tannish orange, and she's a tortoise cell, so maybe there was two daddies involved there. But the Allie's insisting upon keeping them in my office here in the farmhouse where I record. So over the next couple of weeks, including today, if you hear some kittens meowing, then it is, uh, I ask you to please forgive me, and that is our new members to the Bo Hacks, Family and they're meowing right now. So uh, Ali is with them, but a couple of them are real, real Dennis the menaces out I don't know if they're boys or girls, but they uh, they're brutal on her milk station. Let me tell you that. So uh, that is that. So I ask you, please forgive me. And you know that we get together here uh, on rural radio, Sirius XM channel one forty seven every Saturday at eleven a.m. Eastern, and then again with an encore Sunday at 6 p.m and if you miss an episode no worries as we say in new jersey you just go to my website farmmachinerydigest.com and then you can uh get all the back episodes there for god willing for perpetuality but i got a couple of pins in my map and i want to thank these people and announce them mr franklin Rood r-o-o-d i hope i'm uh, pronouncing your name correctly sir and he is from canton new york Mr. Doug D. Berg from Kearney, Missouri, and uh interestingly enough i never knew that there was a canton in new york i never knew there was a carney in missouri i know that it's a carney in nebraska and a canton in ohio where the pro football hall of fame is but didn't know that there was one in new york and then in missouri So so it's so exciting about finding out where you guys listen from and then mr mr justin forseer and he is from cherry hill new jersey so i want to thank you so much gentlemen for that And we have four winners this week and for uh, that received hot rod former license plates, Mr. Ron Lern from Pennsylvania, Mr. Chad Henderson from Alabama, Mr. Corey Atley from uh ohio and mr lloyd hickerson from texas so all you need to do is to enter that contest is just go to my website farm and click on the tab there or send me an email at hot rod farmer at farm and you will be entered into the contest to win a free usa made hot rod farmer license plate and right after the break we're going to start to talk about gasoline but in a way that when you're spending four dollars a gallon and more that you should know about how that industry works. So just sit Pat and we will get to that.
1: Go beyond alternative and discover a world of emerging indie artists and groundbreaking sounds on Sirius XMU commercial-free mix of innovative music from bands, producers, and singer-songwriters, alongside classic sounds from the artists who inspired them. Indie Music discoveries on Sirius XMU, Channel 35. Or listen at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house.
2: In 4-H, we believe talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And the gap this is creating between our kids is only getting wider. There are many causes, but it mostly comes down to race, what their parents earn, and where they live. This can mean less investment in schools, in after-school programs, and in community services. It's all made worse by unequal access to education, technology, healthy foods, and the mentors who inspire our young people. The recent pandemic has pushed some kids even further behind. It's time we provide opportunities for all our kids. It's time to invest in their potential so they can help our communities and our country thrive. Not in the future, right now. We believe nothing should hold a kid back. And if we all pull together, nothing will. Visit 4H.org today and join us.
3: We know you love rodeo as much as we do. And now with the Cowboy Channel Plus app, there's a whole lot more to love. So whether you're listening to live rodeo action from across the country, browsing the archive to catch up on past events, or following along while you listen on the radio, we want to hear about it. Shoot an email to patrick at rfdtv.com to let Rural Media Group founder and president Patrick Gotch know how you are using the Cowboy Channel Plus. Don't have it yet? Sign up at cowboychannelplus.com
0: today. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And uh, in case you're just tuning in, we're going to be discussing gasoline. But we're really going to be discussing an aspect of gasoline and the gasoline industry that um, most people are not aware of. And it is really not a dialogue about it. So that is. But I'm going to first start with a story. I'm going to try to be quick with it so I don't take up too much of your time is that when I had my shop, Precise Automotive and Marine, built drag race engines and some other things, is that uh, we used to run a Mustang out of my shop. I was in partners with somebody on it, and uh, it ran in that 5 um uh, 10 and a half inch tire class. If you're a drag racer, it'll mean something to you. If you're not, it, doesn't, it won't mean anything to you. But it was a nitrous motor it was a small block ford it was that motorsports a4 block and it had uh it was an oddball combination i've said this before there was 355 cubic inches most of the guys we were running up against had like a 408 or or even bigger than that a a stroker small block and it was a 4030 inch bore with a 348 inch stroke crank so it was like a 350 chevy dimension and it had yates heads on it it had a jessel valve train jessel belt drive uh hogan sheet metal intake manifold with two mark 8 throttle bodies uh dfi at the time six O box controller and we had uh, three stages of nitrous so it was actually two nitrous nozzles and sort of one stage would come on the other stage then then it would go off in the second stage which was pilled pilled meaning that it had a larger flow rate to it would go on and then both of them probably at about the a little bit if i remember i don't remember correctly Maybe just around the 660 marker, eighth mile, or a little bit less. We'd have all two, both of them, come on. So that was actually they called that three stages. So anyway, but we used to dyno the motor at a digital fuel injection Wixom, Michigan, and that's where that's where they were located. And the John Meany and Joe Meany uh, were involved with DFI at the time, and <clears throat> used to go to their facility, and it was right across the road from the Lincoln plant and uh, in wixom there which sadly is no longer there it is now an rv uh, dealership so they call it i think assembly park but that's another story so anyway uh when you go if you've never been to an engine dyno there's the engine dyno it's in a room and there's a a wall a brick wall block wall or something protecting you from it and there's usually a big window and and most times it's plexiglass and the engine is always the dyno is always perpendicular to the window and then when you're in that other little room the control room that's where the controls are for the dyno and the data acquisition and what have you And so the logic basically being, if the engine is going to grenade itself, the pistons are going to go flying out the side, or if it's an inline engine up the top and then down the bottom, and you're going to be safe. So we were dynoing the engine, and we did the, made a pull on it with the three stages of nitrous, and then the one solenoid stuck open. So we closed the throttle. <clears throat> there was a nanosecond delay, and then there was a boom that sounded like the building blew up a big fireball went up into the top of the dino cell the plexiglass window bowed out towards us almost almost split it must have bowed six or seven inches from what i recall and the whole top of the motor blew off and went into the ceiling So when it blew the intake manifold apart, everything was was wrecked. You could hear those kittens. Everything was wrecked. (laughs) I guess they heard the engine blow up. And it was because the nitrous solenoid stuck. The good thing about doing anything in Michigan, especially back then in the Detroit area, is that you could find there was some, and I'm sure it's still the case, but... There was so much mechanical talent there—machinists, welders, uh, anything that you needed. So we were able to find somebody to fix the manifold uh, and put that back there. The guy did a beautiful job. Take weld, that. We needed some machining done, and then we subsequently were able to to finish the job, the dyno tuning. Maybe two days later, but uh, and nothing inside the motor got got hurt. But anyway, the important take-home message here is that it may be at the time a $20 solenoid uh, which was not old but stuck. Why it stuck we have no idea and uh, caused a lot of damage. So now how am I going to segue this into into the today's show about gasoline? Well the thing is that you need to be an educated consumer and I've always said this on this show and in my podcast and any any lecture or talk I give is that the educated farmer or the educated consumer is the most profitable because you have to know what you're buying and have a certain level of understanding. You don't need a PhD in it, but you have to know what you're buying. And today with the price of fuel, gasoline, and in another couple of weeks I'm going to do basically the same type of show and talk about diesel fuel because that's very important. That's the that is the core fuel for agriculture. 99% of everything is running on diesel. But we're going to talk we're going to talk be more broad based today and talk about the I don't want to say the business side, but dynamics of gasoline that um, most people are not familiar with. So hopefully you enjoy this and it'll bring some value to you and why I segue in with the nitrous explosion and the the solenoid, the $20 solenoid, the $10,000 worth of damage that I want you to understand because it's so easy for someone today, with these prices of gasoline being as high as they are, to want to go to a pump and then either buy a lesser brand or a lesser octane value, or what have you, and hopefully I could get in, get through all of that succinctly today in this in this uh, segment. But first of all, what needs to be understood is that gasoline is a commodity, and what the industry, meaning the fuel, the petroleum industry, the gasoline industry, produces what is called a base fuel and the base fuel has by law it has a uh, it has what is identified as LAC which is the lowest concentration allowed oh excuse me for, no I always messed that up it's the lowest additive concentration so in essence, what it, the government, what the federal government is saying in the United States, and I've spoken about this on the show before, is that the federal government mandates that there's a certain level of additives in the gasoline. Now, the base fuel has the additive package in it, this LAC, the, <clears throat> the, the lowest additive concentration. And this additive concentration is meant to try to, to minimize carbon deposits in the engine so it'll be on the best 30 years or so on on the fuel injector on the back of the intake valve and on 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 the piston crown so that is the lac and the base fuel is going to be additized to the lac level that is it so just like looking at looking at some kind of uh uh, looking at a bottle or a jug of uh of some sort of crop protection It's going to give you the percentage that it has on there, of certain active ingredients, and so it, that's all the active ingredients it has. So the LAC level, but the thing is that as a consumer, you do not know what the LAC actually is, and it's a very minimal amount of. I'm going to say it's a detergent, but it, this is really where it crosses over because it crosses over almost like talking like about a pesticide, like 2, 4-D. That could be used as a pre-emerge and a post-emerge weed killer. So it has two different components to it. But the LAC is the is the lowest additive concentration to minimize deposit formation and a very, very, very mild detergent. So when you pull up to the pump and you go and buy, you pull up to a gas station, you buy raised gas, right? There's a 99.9% chance that that fuel is only additized to the lac level so it is not going to have any additional additive package in it and when you buy a brand specific gas and specifically what is called a top tier gas then it is supposed it is it going to have an additive package that is going to be way beyond the lac but then again you don't know how much beyond it is all right so just like you could buy for a diesel engine you could buy an additive that says that it raises the cetane but it doesn't tell you how much it raises the cetane into relation to how much you put in the diesel fuel so there is that ambiguity with with gasoline that i am not going to be able to debunk for you today but you need to know is that when you're buying for the most part when you're buying a no-brand off-brand fuel it's only added to the lac level now the test that the industry does for carbon deposits is, for the past 15 or 16 years it just so happens that the industry standard is an older 2.3 liter ford engine it's about 20 years old now uh i don't know why well they they used it for a number for a number of reasons i guess it has a certain propensity i don't want to give ford a black eye because i don't because a lot of engines have a propensity to build deposits but the way the valve, the the way the, 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 the cooling system worked through the head is that they could very easily duplicate this on a dyno, and what they usually do is that the dyno results are based upon 100 hours of running, which they feel would be equivalent of 4,000 miles. And then what'll happen? What happens on these tests for the LAC for the additive package is that they go and they'll take the engine apart. They'll clean all of the the carbon off the pistons, off the valves, off the combustion chamber, and they actually weigh all those parts. So of course you say, well, how can I you know, how can I tell how much carbon is on the valves or on the piston crown? So they actually clean them and then they weigh them and they put the engine back together so they have the clean weight, like a tear weight, right? And uh, on a shipment, on a container, or on a tractor tra- on a load in a truck, so they have this weight, and they know that the valve weighs so much, and then they run it for this test with different fuels, and they take it back apart again. They do a visual examination, they do a uh, they do photographic records, and they also weigh those parts. So arguably, let's say that the that the valve weighed 200 grams, or making up numbers, uh, and when it was clean, and then they ran it, and it was uh, now has 230 weighs 230 grams so they know that they've that the engine built 30 grams of carbon deposits from the fuel that it has so all right what does this mean to you is that i'm not saying that you should not go and buy a fuel that is not a top tier fuel and 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 my audience is is throughout north america and is rural areas and you may not get a top tier fuel but keep in mind that the patrol, the gasoline industry is like, com, is a commodity. So they make gasoline. It's supposed to be advertised to the LAC level. They put it into a pipeline and then it goes to, it gets distributed around the country. Now there are rare exceptions. If you happen to be right near a refinery, for instance, like in Lima, Ohio, or I know there used to be a refinery years ago, right along I-80 in Wyoming, it was a, uh, uh sinclair refinery needs to say rocky mountain blend gasoline and what they would do is that if you were right there then you probably got fuel from that but that's not necessarily so i mean i've been in places in the country where they're doing make uh, for instance upstate new york there's an ethanol plant there's corn going growing all around the plant and the, and the corn that's coming into that plant is not from the field right next to it is actually coming from someplace else so you know, keep that in mind but the fact is that for most Times you're getting the fuels being shipped through some sort of pipeline, and it's going to a distribution center. At the distribution center, when the truck is being filled to deliver it to to the to this filling station, the gas station where you buy it from, is that the driver has says, okay, this is going to be, let's say, Sunoco, and if Sunoco has a certain additive package, they have it at the distribution center in concentrate. And then it says, okay, this is 5,000 gallons. We need to put whatever, 10, 10 gallons of this additive in to make it snow go." And they fill it up with the base fuel. And then they deliver it. Then the guy comes back to the depot and he says, okay, this is raised gas. <clears throat> it has no additive package in it. So what we're basically going to do is we're going to just have it as the base fuel without an additive package. So keep in mind that during these times that you should always use some sort of complete fuel systems cleaner in your gasoline engines i've said this to add nauseum, but when you're trying to save a couple of pennies and buy a a, a uh, i don't want to say off-brand non-top-tier gasoline the thing that comes into my, that you must recognize is that the industry has determined that but about that it will that the engine will build carbon deposits between 50 and 100 times quicker and of more intensity than a top tier fuel, because a top tier fuel has a package in it that is going to minimize deposits and also take clean off deposits that were there. But there's this is not the end of the world. What you need to do because the test is based upon three to well, about equivalent to four thousand miles, about one hundred hours in a dynamometer. So every 3,000 miles or so, if you are saving some money at the pump and you're buying a a non-top tier gasoline, nothing else wrong with it, all right, just doesn't have the, the additive package in it, the, the 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 soap and the anti-deposit formation chemicals, then please make sure that you will be very good about additizing that fuel with a good fuel systems cleaner to clean the carbon off the injector, the valve and the pistons, because other than that, it's gonna be like the twenty dollar Old di- uh, nitrous solenoid that blew up a $10,000 motor, you'll be adding so much carbon to that motor. There's that in four in, in, you figure 10 or 20,000 miles, you could have a drivability problem, an emissions problem, a lot of issues because of the amount of carbon that was created by that lower detergent value gasoline.
3: Hey folks, join us for the Better Horses Radio Show aired on Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 with hosts Ron McDaniel, Don Dawson, and me, Ernie Rodina. This week we visit with Anthony Gatto of Kensington Protective Products and Matt Mills about Road to the Horse on the Cowboy Channel. So tune in to the Better Horses Radio Show right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. Hey, we'll see you there. At Kinder Outdoors, Saturday mornings at 9, right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, we talk about harvesting wild fish and game. We also talk about preparing that harvest for the table. If that's your lifestyle, or maybe you'd like to learn more about that lifestyle, we would love for you to join us. It all starts at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, And weekly on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern. I'm Billy Kinder, and I'll see you in the Camp House Saturday morning at 9. Hi, I'm Mike Pearson, host of AOA, heard Monday through Friday right here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Each day, we'll talk to those making the news in markets, ag policy, trade, and rural health care. And you'll hear from the ag and political leaders about the pressing issues of the day and what they might mean for the future of agriculture. So join me here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for AOA. Hey, it's Billy Kinder inviting you to join me Saturday morning at 9 Eastern right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147 for Kinder Outdoors. Over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of renewed interest in hunting and fishing and the shooting sports. That's exactly what we talk about. What a coincidence. See you Saturday morning in the camp house at Kinder Outdoors.
2: This is Sarah Darling from Nashville, Tennessee, and I listen to Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM.
0: Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So if you have any questions on gasoline or anything else, please feel free to reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. But now it is time to get under the sheet metal, and Tex some from Ripsaw Records is going to sing us into this segment. Come on, Tex buddy, let her rip. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine.
3: It's got to be sure is clean. i a hot rod man.
0: Alrighty, in today's under the sheet metal we're going to talk about an oiling system in an engine if a fluid is considered incompressible how does any hydraulic system create pressure an engine's oiling system follows the laws of hydraulics pressure is created by limiting or restricting flow a garden hose with no nozzle has a high rate of flow but little to no pressure with the nozzle discharge pressure increases but flow drops A restriction is required to increase pressure pressure pushes the oil through the intricate engine passages and creates an oil wedge between the crankshaft journal and the bearing the oil wedge differs from the main and rod bearing clearance it is much thinner the oil wedge is about as thick as your as a hair on your head Oil system pressure is the cumulative effect of the bearing clearances, the viscosity of the oil, and the length, diameter, and surface finish of the oil passages, along with the output of the pump. Most engines employ one of two oil pump designs, a gear type or a rotor type. A minimum industry standard for oil pressure is 10 PSI for every 1,000 RPM. An engine that idles at 700 RPM needs a minimum pressure of 7 PSI and should increase as engine speed goes higher. At 3000 RPM, the engine requires a minimum oil pressure of 30 PSI. Oil is also used as a coolant. The greater the volume, the more heat that is removed from critical engine parts. If the bearings are worn, rod or main, the engine will require a higher pump output to maintain a nominal oil pressure. So that's very, very important, especially today when so many are looking to buy, to invest. I don't ever like to say buy, to invest in used farm equipment of all different types. But specifically with those on an engine, just you know, keep in mind to look at that oil pressure. And the general rule of thumb for gasoline or diesel is to have, uh, is to have about uh, <clears throat> ten pounds of pressure for every one thousand RPM. So that is very, very important. And also, if you're going to buy used equipment, and I've said this to many times on this show, that I suggest that you do a that you spend less than a hundred dollars and have the oil analysis done a hydro- hydraulic analysis and a coolant analysis. So you're not buying a pig in the pulk because uh, the only caveat to those analysis is being that, the, that those three fluids have to have some use on it. If they were just changed and you went and you pulled a sample and send it to the lab, it's going to come back beautiful. But most people, when they're looking to sell a piece of equipment, are not fastidious about changing and investing the time and the money to change those fluids, which gets to be quite expensive especially today but those kittens are really really meowing up a storm today and my little ally she has her paws full with those six of them and that one is uh that's a, a little uh, <clears> of <throat> the, the uh not black one but the cream orange one that guy just meows meows uh, all, all day long and he's just about 24 hours old today so listen i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to never forget that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher. And keep in mind that agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. And it is not what you make that counts, but what you keep that counts. So I will see you next week. And when you go to the pump now, you, God willing, you'll be a little bit more of an educated consumer. And don't be afraid to use that less expensive off-brand gasoline. Just make sure that you're very fastidious with a fuel systems cleaner. And even when you are using a top tier, always use that. Take care and I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.
3: Necessities of life: food, water, shelter, and your favorite radio hosts. This is Jeff Tigger Earhart, Tigger, and Rebecca Warner, A.K.A. Beck. Beck, 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 Beck. Join us every week right here for the Ranch It Up Radio Show and the Bend Radio Show. We talk cattle, markets, sale barn reports, news, cooking,
1: lifestyle, outdoors, recreation,
3: and everything in between. And there's a lot in between. Ranch It Up
1: and the Bend. This Urban Ag Report is brought to you by FMOWheels.com, the digital CSA for urban communities supporting urban farmers everywhere. According to Financial Buzz, the health and wellness market is growing at an exponential rate. It is now thought to be worth $762 billion globally. Teaching the next generation of farmers to grow health-promoting crops is crucial to preventing the burden of both sedentary lifestyles and future pandemics, each of which impact our health infrastructure. The pandemic has accelerated this growth as more people want to understand the benefits of healthy foods and improve their chances of staying immune to new diseases. By 2027, this market is expected to reach $1 trillion in the U.S. alone. This provides an opportunity for controlled agriculture farmers to be at the forefront of healthy eating. This has been the Urban Ag Report on Rural Radio Sirius XM Channel 147. Follow us at UrbanAgReport.com.
3: Justin Mills here, rancher and host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, inviting you to join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll go in-depth on topics that are relevant to the beef industry, plus we'll hear from meteorologist Don Day on the long-term weather outlook, and the captain Tim O'Burn with Working Ranch Magazine will stop in for Tim's Two Cents. So join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern for the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147 Sirius XM.